It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser the day I was born Hey there folks, the show's called Wait a Minute, I Don't Have to Tell You You guys know already You're the patron, this the is the founding Patreons. losers, Dad We're playing for the home crowd That's tonight it, man. The, the reason we're here is what, that's who we're playing for. Uh, exactly. You guys are the reason that the show continues, all right? Because uh, the, uh, the the beautiful coast-to-coast uh, uh, -coast jet setting limousine riding Ming Chen is behind the, the ones and twos tonight. I, I really want to do the woo, but I, I really do. But, uh, Give it's us a, a woo. It's a, uh, woo! Woo! <laughs> LP, what are you doing? Woo! Oh, jeez. Come on. It's Ric Flair. Not, <laughs> not like you're uh, uh, Bugs Bunny dressed as a girl trying to lure in Elmer uh. Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, a, I, I love I, it. I Rick, Rick No Flair. Yeah, no that's Flair. what he was. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but we're uh, live at a shared universe podcast studio in Homedale, New Jersey at the Bell Labs, folks. And you guys know the deal. We like to tell weird stories from American history. Maybe kind of shine a light on something maybe you know a little bit about, but maybe not the whole thing. Or maybe there's some movies made about this person that yeah, maybe aren't entirely accurate. Yeah. Or you songs written that... Got it all wrong, but it's still a good song. It's true. Um, I will say this, though. First and foremost, right up front, we love doing the show. We get to do the show every week because of you guys. All right. So thank you so much to all the founding losers out there. Some of you are new to the party and welcome. Some of you have been here since the beginning. Some of you have left and come back. And you know what? We're happy to see everybody. All right. Because it means right. a lot to me. Ming likes us a lot, Dad, but not so much to let us do the show for free. <laughs> well, God's children got a place in the choir and... You're, you're the guys that make the choir happen. Oh, I thought you were going to say, uh, in God we trust, all others pay cash. So, <laughs> well, that too. Well, uh, I will say this. up. we got to just get this out of the way up front here. Um, on Christmas Day this year, I hope you and your families are all doing well. Uh, a American hero or madman, depending on who you talk to, passed away at the age of 81, uh, one of our most popular episodes. Ming, you were in here with us for that episode, too. Demo Dick Marcinko died on Christmas this year. Wow, he, uh, something. Why well, I thought he would live forever. Yeah, I, I didn't. It, it had to. I think they would say it's uh, one of those things too, where uh, death had to come for him at night. You know, kind of thing. When <laughs> Sneak up on him. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Demo Dick Marcinko passed away at uh, age eighty-one. So uh, what a what a life on that one, and uh, definitely one of her best episodes. If you guys have not heard that one. It's available on YouTube. It took off like crazy. There's people that still think my father is Demo Dick and I'm interviewing him. <laughs> yeah, live interview. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. somebody called me like a, a – a, we got called a lot of names for that one too because there were just certain people that thought we were trashing him and he's got some fans. But uh, pretty cool guy. In the face, doesn't he look like he could be Chris Covert, former guest on the show? <laughs> uh, he looks like a caveman. But, um, but he's not the topic of today. We did a great job covering him. But I will say this, Dad, we uh, we did a great job covering this particular topic. He's a pretty interesting guy. You guys already know because you just checked out the title on this one. But, you know, for those of you who may not know, like the marvelous Ming Chen behind the ones and twos, like we said, Ming, it takes quite a life to become a legend that still has name recognition almost 140 years later. But uh, it takes an even more wild life to be played in movies by the likes of Paul Newman, Val Kilmer, Emilio Estevez in what I think is his all-time greatest performances. I, I absolutely loved him in those movies. Um, you know, Mighty Ducks Be Damned. But uh, – and a few others too as well. Chris Christopherson played him at some point too. But uh, to do – to live a life that gets covered and, uh, you know, lives on, if you will. Like we said, 140 years after your death and you're uh, the subject of, you know, major motion pictures, books, biographies, everything like that. Then you find out that you did it all in just 21 years. 21 years on this earth, right? Rough and tumble 21. Yeah. When I was in, when I was 21, I turned 21 in the engine room of the USS Kearney <laughs> in Jacksonville, <laughs> there Florida. You go. <laughs> um, but damn, in just 21 years on this earth, I'd say he went ahead and earned that Billy Joel song at the very least. So if you haven't figured it out yet, guys, we're talking about William H. Bonney, aka Billy McCarty, aka Henry McCarty, aka Kid Antrim, also known as. Give us the reveal, Dad. Billy the Kid. 
You know it. Now, my understanding is he's from Lobster Bay, Wisconsin or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Uh, but uh, take a guess where this future outlaw king will be born. So he's the future outlaw king of the West. Uh, Ming, give it one wild guess where he might be from. I, I think you have it up in front here, but <laughs> uh, uh, I do, and uh, I, I'm I guess I'm proud to say he's an East Coaster. Uh, that'd be New York City, New York. Indeed, it is, man. Indeed, it is. So he's from New York originally. Uh, it's kind of crazy that his story is going to I mean everything about him is known from the West. So to find out he was a New Yorker was actually a surprise to me. Yeah, even that though, there's there's some debate as to what his true. Uh, uh, birthplace was. I mean, it's all over. The, I guess a lot of people are trying to glom onto his uh, fame. To uh, hey, he was actually born here, there, everywhere. So, but I think uh, the vast majority kind of settled in on on New York City. New York City seems to be the place that most historians are putting this guy from. And again, it's fascinating that he's a Western icon, but he's originally born in New York and he will make the papers back in New York at some point. <laughs> yeah, so. he makes the headlines. Born in 1859 to Irish Catholic immigrant parents, Henry McCarty was his birth name, might have found himself at home with the likes of the Five Points gangs running around fighting Bill the Butcher with the dead rabbits. However, when his father passes away, Billy and his siblings will move from New York to Indianapolis with their mother, where the widow McCarty will marry a fellow by the name of William Antrim, and the family will move around the country before settling out in the New Mexico area. Henry began using the name Henry Antrim. So you can tell this guys he's definitely involved with his mother here. This is a serious guy. Got to be some sort of a father figure to young Billy who's lost his dad at a very young age. And then uh, his stepfather goes out for a pack of smokes and never comes back, Dad. He had to go check the furnace. Is there a check the furnace or go for a quart of milk? But he, <laughs> whatever, he never came back. So the stepfather will abandon the family. And then shortly after, Billy's mother will die of consumption. And uh, if Kahuna was here, we would say, consumption, sumption, what's your junction? <laughs> but he's not here, all right, because he's at home battling consumption. <laughs> um, just a brutal, brutal life so far for old Billy. Uh, both of his parents are dead, and he is now an orphan at just the age of 15. Ming, what were you doing at 15? Uh, I was watching Star Wars and masturbating. <laughs> In that order, or masturbating to Star Wars? Wow. Well, I mean, you've seen how much Star Wars stuff is around here, so you, <laughs> take, a, you take a guess. Yeah, uh, and don't get me wrong, Ming has a, a Catwoman statue in the background that has put thoughts in my head. Yeah, really. I, was like, oh, I didn't realize she was so curvy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at age 15 now, and it, don't get me wrong, at 15, I was uh, uh, pro wrestling, you know, nonstop and wanting to be in the Marines. And then uh, I can't imagine being 15 and you're now completely orphaned. Your father. It's dead. Your stepfather abandons the family and your mother just died. So any sense of morality that I have that's given to me by my wonderful parents would go out the window when you're 15 years old and now you're hungry. So pretty wild to try to figure this whole thing out. Decency goes out the window when you're a young man with no parents and an empty belly. The future kid and his first charge will be uh, he's going to get caught stealing food, which is harmless enough, I guess, when you're desperate, the idea of property can become a little bit of a variable when it's a mere loaf of bread or a few potatoes. Not so much 10 days later when in 1875, McCarty is caught robbing a Chinese laundry of clothes and also stealing two pistols from them. Yeah, so. Yeah, food and clothing. I'd yeah, say. started with just a little bit of food and now all of a sudden he's yeah. stealing guns. No, he's going to up it. He's going to up it. Well, he's he moving to, on up. He's got a career of doing <laughs> that, right. as we're going to find out here today. First, let me put some clothes on my back. Well, first, let me get something to eat, and then I'll put clothes on my back. And then we'll, you know, what What better to uh, hang on your clothes? Than you know what helped me pistols? get more food? Guns. <laughs> it's it. <laughs> well, the boy catches charges, lands himself in a jail cell. It is the first time. It will certainly not be the last time. In another first but not last moment, the kid will get this dead. Escapes jail. Yep. Yeah. Is that going to become a recurring theme in no his boy's life? No jail can hold him. No jail can hold him. And it, it seems to be true. <laughs> but uh, the kid will escape jail. Wild shit. Uh, and he does, however, become a fugitive from justice, though. And his career as a criminal is now officially underway. But who says you can't go home, though, right? Uh, Billy hunts down his stepfather and stays with him for a time until they, they're not sure what it was. But he seems to have gotten kicked out but not before stealing more guns and clothing. And at this point, he will never see his father, last name Antrim, ever again. Adios, Dad. But his criminal handle is going to become originally. He doesn't go by Billy the Kid. And actually, I don't know how much 
Like the kid was a, a good thing that like the papers were running with, but he was going by the name Kid Antrim for a while. So he was keeping the stepfather's last name. Yeah, keeping it. Well, is he keeping his name or is he just going for an alias at this point? So, I mean, if you're William Bonnie and they're looking for you, maybe I ought to become an Antrim instead. Uh, that's well, it, McCarty, Bonnie, Billy the Kid. He's got a bunch of names throughout his life, which is, uh, and again, it's a short one too. So you figure he's got a name for every seven years he lived. But uh, again, he never sees the stepfather again. At this point, Billy's actually going to head for Arizona and gets work as a ranch hand. A uh, ranch hand often helps get horses and cattle where they need to be. It's a very, very tough job. But one of the hardest parts is making sure that it's your boss's cattle and horses that you're rounding up. In fact, if you didn't bother to have to make sure it was the right horses or cattle, Dad. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the brand. It would almost be too easy. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, it would be much more profitable if you could just take any horse or cattle that you saw Absolutely. out there and just make them your own. And uh, again, this is what happens when uh, Kid Antrim will start stealing horses while he's working for the well-known rancher, a guy by the name of Henry Hooker. And Henry Hooker had some money. Um, but uh, Billy will begin stealing horses from a nearby army camp with a Scottish fella who's an Army, uh, U.S. Army cavalry veteran by the name of John Mackey. Yeah, you got to remember, too, the timeline now. We're, we're post-Civil War, so there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of Civil War vets that are trying to make their way out west. And I mean, oh, yeah. it's one of the few jobs, um, you know, hire, hire yourself on as a cowboy or ranch hand, whatever you want to call it. Well, this is where he gets the nickname Kid, actually, because they were calling him Kid because he was a clean-shaven boy. This is rough and tumble work, and... Uh, that is actually a proven picture of Billy the Kid, uh, the one that uh, uh, Ming has brought up here. It's that iconic photo of him. It's the only real true-to-life photo that they know exists of him. But he's posing with his guns, letting you know what he's all about. He's got a, a thin build. Looks like he could be tall. I can't tell if it's tall for the time or tall because of the way the photograph is. But absolutely a clean-shaven face. And he's boyish looking. This isn't... Um, <laughs> The idea that Chris Christopherson is going to play him in a movie, I think that's a miscast once you see what yeah. he really looked like. Yeah. But it's uh, it's trippy. Um, now, he's going to be stealing these uh, horses and whatnot, getting himself in a little bit of trouble. This brings us to uh, August 17th, 1877. In the village of Bonita, a bar fight will break out between Billy and a frequent bully of his. When you're the young guy on the job site, you catch a lot of shit, right? Um and I get why. I, I understand why. Because we, we had a guy, um, uh, Jim McCabe, always tells a great story about they called the new guy bunk bed at work. Because <laughs> he would show up and try to be a no He goes, that's great. You still sleep in a race car bed, right? Don't you? <laughs> Shut up and go back to work. But uh, the term kid would be applied, like we said, because of this clean shaven look on his face here. And probably something he's getting picked on a little bit for at the bar. And this frequent bully of his, uh, the two of them exchange insults. I think one of them calls one of them a pimp. The other one calls him a son of a bitch, and all of a sudden the fight was on. There you go. Name calling escalates. Indeed it does. Uh, Billy finds himself thrown to the ground, and as agreed upon by all the eyewitnesses, Billy had no choice but to use his pistol to shoot his assailant. The man would die the next day, but well after Kid Antrim had escaped. Now, that's the problem with the kid, though. He shows back up a couple days later. He goes, hey, that was crazy. It probably blew over by now, right? Nope. Not quite. He gets arrested and thrown into jail. And damn, this time he's going to stay put, though, right, Dad? No, you would think, but uh, nope. It's really the kid. <laughs> the kid escapes again after a daring escape on horseback from the law. It's supposedly the Apache Indians that wind up catching him. The Apache, definitely one of the more feared tribes out in the area. They had a, a definitely a, a, a penchant for uh, warlike activity if you uh, disrespected them. So the idea that he even got away alive is pretty impressive. They did take his horse, though. And now a young man, a young kid, Antrim, is on the run, uh, again from the law for the second time here. And from the Apaches. Now from the Apaches. <laughs> and now he's right. walking his ass across the desert here. So he actually winds up, uh, he makes an interesting choice here, too. He will get to the safety of an outlaw gang member pal of his, this guy who he knew ran with a tough crowd. He's going to pop in over there. And his mother, actually, this, the outlaw's mother nurses Billy back to health because he's in rough shape when he shows up here. I mean, he is... You've seen me when I run a 5K, you know? Yeah. It ain't pretty. Well, now you just ran a 5K away from the Apaches who did who knows what to you before you left, you know, before you escaped yeah. their clutches. In the desert. Right. And so, uh, and you can't turn around because there's more people coming for you. But anyway, Billy, uh, he's going to get back into his, uh, what's seeming to become 
his profession of choice, which is raiding cattle and horses. This time they were from the herd of a guy by the name of John Chisholm. Chisholm. Yeah. You've seen that one. Yeah, John Wayne, man. John Wayne. Chisholm is a very, 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 and the rock means very wealthy man. So his cattle herd is, uh, they're, they're quite large. But uh, who's going to notice a few stacks of steak missing every now and then, right? So you're going to you know, poach on John Chisholm's, uh, you know, his cattle and his herd and whatnot. And uh, the problem is that he does notice these things, all right? And Billy's picking up a name for himself here. So, uh, by the way, if you would like a highly fictional, uh, fictionalized but very entertaining uh, take on John Chisholm's life, he is played by, as we just said, John Wayne in a movie titled Chisholm. Chisholm. So, which does feature Billy the Kid. So, um, I hope you're ready to shine, LP. But that's a Hollywood, that's a Hollywood version. But uh, anyhow, it's still a Western. It's, it's still history, Kev. It's a good one. <laughs> I, I had fun with that movie. I did. It's No the Searchers. Everyone knows that's one of the best ones ever made. But uh, um, Billy is now in Lincoln, New Mexico. And it's a little cattle boom town over there. I mean, everybody is just living in peace with one another, respecting one another's property lines and property laws. And, you know, uh, I mean, Dad... Western justice, Kev. What are you talking about? Yeah. Everything was going good out there. Yeah, it was In Lincoln good. County, New Mexico. For a few. There shouldn't be a thing coming up called the Lincoln County War now, is there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> quite, quite briefly, yes. Now, uh, Dad, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Regulators. Regulators. Mount up. Mount up. That's, that's a line from the movie, but uh, and that, that is based on uh, historical fact. That's not just something made up out of Hollywood. Are but. you telling me there was a cattle war in Lincoln County, New Mexico, yes, Dad? Yes, there was, Kev. Dad, I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question. Yeah. What the fuck were the Lincoln County wars? Uh, it, was a, it was a war, but it wasn't between armies. It was between hired guns from one faction to the other. It was, it was more of a business... Uh, Friction, if you will, that uh, it seems that there were uh, two guys. Now, back in the 1870s or the early 1870s, you got to remember now, this is post-Civil War, and there's two guys, veterans, all right? So these two veterans of the of the Union Army, uh, Lawrence Murphy and a James Dolan, Irish boys by... by uh, <laughs> James Dolan, guy who owns right? the Knicks and the Rangers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they owned... Uh, the only store in all of Lincoln County. Now, that sounds like, you know, if you're thinking, well, Lincoln County, how big can Lincoln County be back in the, back in the day? Well, Murphy and Dolan set up this, this store called the Murphy and Dolan Mercantile and Banking. And soon another guy comes in uh, with them, a John Riley. Now, this is a veteran-owned business, Kev. So, I mean, you're going you're gonna to support. You've got to support each other, right? <laughs> you got to support, right? Um, but at the time... Lincoln County is the largest county in the nation. In the nation. It's the biggest county that one. That in the trippy. nation. Yeah. And it covers one-fifth of New Mexico territory. Now, New Mexico territory is not necessarily the New Mexico, the state that we know today. The New Mexico territory originally took in you know, much larger swath of uh, of territory than just New Mexico. It, it was New Mexico the same way that New England was New England. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, it's taken in parts of uh, Nevada and Colorado and uh, Arizona. So, I mean, it was huge. And this, again, Lincoln County is now the largest county in the nation. And um, Murphy and Dolan both owned large cattle ranches. Now, through some political maneuvering, um, they came to monopolize anything going on. If you wanted to buy something in Lincoln County, you had to go through uh, Murphy and Dolan. Uh, they the machine. Were, they were the only game in town, right? And they became known as the house. The house. I mean, you can't beat the house, right? Um, no. Anything you wanted, and they're going to decide what the price is going to be. So small cattle ranchers, large cattle ranchers, AKA or enter uh, enter John Chisholm. John Chisholm owns one of the largest cattle herds in the nation. He's got over a hundred thousand head of cattle, so he's he's got a few steers behind him. So he's a very wealthy guy too. But he's still forced to deal with uh, Murphy and Dolan. Um, anyhow, if you're a monopoly. There's going to be some detractors. You know, there's going to be some people that would rather deal with somebody other than the monopoly. The pesky little guy. Yeah, the pesky little guy. Um, 
even if they are veteran-owned uh, business here, that uh, you know maybe I'd like to do business someplace else where I'm not being, um, you know, gouged on on the pricing and everything else. And then through some political maneuvering, uh, Murphy and Dolan, um, they got some um, government contracts because uh, a lot of the uh, Indians are now being put on reservations, and part of that agreement, if you will, was that they had to be supplied beef. Um, Murphy and Dolan are the, uh, they win the contract, the government contract. So any cattle that has to be sold now has to go through Murphy and Dolan. Well, this didn't sit too well with the little, little guys and the other cattle ranchers because, you know, once again, now they're monopolizing on this whole thing. Enter an Englishman. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, there's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a recent immigrant, uh, a guy by the name of Tunstall who sets up a shop, a rival business, um, and he's got a, a banker behind him, and he's also got some of uh, Chisholm's money behind him. So that And Chisholm's got a little bit of money. Yeah, and Chisholm's got a little bit of money, and he's got one of the largest herds of, of cattle, uh, you know, again, over 100,000 head of cattle. So um, this didn't sit too well with Murphy and Dolan. Um, and they start making some of their political maneuvers and back and forth with the law enforcement. Again, if you're a monopoly, you've got the controlling interest on pretty much everything uh, throughout the territory. Um, and they um, get this court order to seize some of uh, Tunstall's horses as payment for <laughs> outstanding debt. All right, so they send out the law. Well, the, the sheriff sends out one of his deputies to send out a posse to arrest this guy Tunstall. This is after this is after uh, Murphy tried to pick a fight with Tunstall in the streets, but he wouldn't go for it. And at this point, things are ramping up big time. Each side, the House, you know, Murphy and, and Dolan, they're hiring guns. Tunstall is now hiring guns, you know, uh, armed Militia, if you will. Uh, Muscle, and, baby. Yeah. And Billy the Kid is one of them. Um, so Billy is now working for Tunstall. Um, and then um, this posse shows up that are official. You know, they, they've got the law behind them to arrest Tunstall. Um, Tunstall rides out to meet the posse. Once they're on his property, he rides out to meet them. And the deputy draws his gun and shoots Tunstall right between the eyes. So <laughs> there's your arrest. You're going to eliminate the, the competition? Yeah, you're going to shoot him between the eyes. So never mind, uh, you know, Black Friday price, uh, price break or something like that or coupons or buy one, get one. <laughs> just put one Just put one in his head and he, he's done. Well, this, this outrages uh, young Billy the Kid. And now he's gathering up his guys to go out and revenge, um, revenge the shooting of Tunstall. And the war is on. That's that is well, in, the Lincoln County War. In the movie uh, Young Guns, they certainly make it that um, Tunstall is a bit of a father figure to Billy in the movie. That's probably just this guy was pissed off. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa I like that guy. You know, not like he was like a father to me. He yeah, me I did find some research that said that, uh, you know, this was the first guy that really treated Billy uh, uh, fairly and kind of a thing. And he was just, a, you know, hired on and uh, treated him right. It's like you're working for a good boss finally. And uh, then somebody comes up and puts one. Yeah, if you kill my boss, I work for it. If you kill my boss, I work for right now at the line cleaning service. I will hunt you down and kill you. All right. If you kill my boss, I worked construction for earlier this year. I was going to say, damn, you beat me to it. You <laughs> son of a right. bitch. I'll help you reload. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is leading on. So now you just said the Lincoln County War is on. Yep. What the fuck's going to happen? Well, again, now they're back and forth and uh, they're they're um, it's a shooting. It's a shooting war for sure. I mean, both sides are going after one another. Um Billy then uh, serves up or, or forms up um, with the help of uh, some of the others, um, what are now known as the regulators. So regulators. The, the regulators are the Chisholm-Tunstall uh, side, and they're going against the House with uh, their deputies and, and that type of thing. And there's a, there's a whole back and forth that, um, 
you know, the regulators by court order, by a, a judge's order, are allowed to go out and try to arrest the guy that shot Tunstall, um, this deputy, uh, William Morton. Because um, it's important to note, too, that at certain points, the law is actually behind Billy the Kid on this. Right. Initially, and it's not it going to be that way for long, which is crazy that a, a, a two time, you know, a prison escapee. Right. You know, with a long jacket, if you will. This is, again, pre-internet, so you can't – the way to escape charges back in the day was say, oh, well, those charges are only good in New Jersey. Well, guess what? We're starting a show in New York now. Right. You know, that's the move. Just stay away from where you can go. But it is it, – it's very amusing, and I think a lot of people – and there is a loser reception later, but I think a lot of people are going to understand that um, the line of justice is very blurred, especially in the Old West where the good guys – can do bad things and the bad guys can do good things. And then the law is on the side of someone absolutely corrupt. Right. Or, or there could be a local jurisdiction, which is what happened with uh, Billy, that the regulators were just or were ordered by a judge to go out and uh, avenge the uh, the death of Tunstall. But then a higher order back at the state capital superseded that and made. And you say state them, like it's a state. It's really a territory. Well, the territory. Yeah. Right. And we have uh, territorial uh, governors that are appointed by the president, um, and they're back and forth. I mean, it's a whole corrupt situation here, obviously, for these guys to maintain the monopoly that uh, uh, Murphy and Dolan had. But it's down to a shooting war, and it's back and forth. And now now, um, Billy is once again labeled as the— the culprit that we got to go out and arrest uh, Billy the Kid, and it's back in Lincoln where there the the Battle of Lincoln takes place. Though the Battle of Lincoln was a five day uh, siege, if you will, it really was. Yeah, it was, it was just, Ruby Ridge on steroids. Yeah, it was absolutely borderline Alamo esque. Absolutely, was, and then uh, at the Battle of Lincoln, uh, again, this was a five day. Uh, this was a five-day siege that uh, um, Billy and his his crowd are holed up um, in in the house, and uh, they're surrounded. And then uh, the cavalry is is summoned to a thing, and then he he uh, they set fire to the house. And uh, again, uh, Young Guns is a is a Hollywood version of that. That you know they 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 are able. They're completely surrounded, and now. Uh, Billy is able to escape once again from certain death by uh, going out in a blaze in a firefight. Who, and, uh, uh, but the names were true. The names were true in a lot of it. There was um, <laughs> there was a uh, Chavez uh, E. Chavez as played by Lou Diamond Phillips, and there was a Doc Skurlock played by uh, my Lord and Savior Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> my Lord and Savior. Uh, was that in an episode of 24? No. Uh, but uh, If not for 24, Young Guns would be my favorite thing he did, man. But yeah. so there was a lot more truth to those movies than people gave him credit for. Yeah, there was uh, there was a, some pretty good depictions. I mean, um, you know, again it was it was Hollywood glamorized, but the basic facts that they were completely surrounded and they were able to bust out with a, it's a with great a shootout. Great line from one accurate. of the guys they sent after um, the regulators to on the uh, the side of uh, the Irish folk. <laughs> um, that old sheriff comes up there to hunt them down or whatever. And the line is, uh, he goes, that's so-and-so. He's killed more men than smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Now, post, do you have anything else on the Battle of Lincoln here? Because it's. It seems like a shit show. I mean, there's people getting gunned down the streets. There's a house on fire. Um, there's and the story gets darker too from here. Yeah, and it, it was uh, the one the guy the house that they were in where they're now under siege. He comes out unarmed and they shoot him dead in the in the street. Correct. Anyhow, so yep. <laughs> you know, played by uh, Terry O'Quinn in the movie. So I, I guess it became pretty apparent that there's not going to be a. Are going peacefully. You're gonna, there's no surrender here. So you're going to go out and take as many of those guys as you can. It's you and I. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess that's what led to the eventual uh, shootout and an escape from from the siege, um, only to be hunted down uh, later on. But uh, that was the Battle of Lincoln, which was in the in the th- three or four years that this whole Lincoln County War went on. Um, Is it fair to say that's the high, that's the high water mark? Yeah, yeah that right? was the high water mark of the Lincoln County War. It was the Battle of Lincoln. Well, uh, now post Battle of Lincoln, 
And if you have anything else, jump in right away with okay. it. Because post-Battle of Lincoln is when now the legend is on fire. You probably have heard of this kid Antrim, this uh, William H. Bonnie fella, this Billy the Kid that you're hearing about. Yeah. You've probably heard about him. But now when you get a big gunfight like that going out there, nationwide, they're going to start to hear about you a little bit. And then, well, let me at least find out what's going on with this weird war story, and then we'll go from there, right? But uh, now it's going to get pretty crazy pretty fast. Post-Battle of Lincoln, Billy and a few of the other regulators are indicted for the murder of an Indian agency bookkeeper near Mescalero. There is a lot of conflicting evidence, though. And it's very strange that all the charges against the other men are squashed except for Billy's. So Billy's the only one with an indictment sitting here on him. And that becomes very important. The territorial governor, a guy by the name of Lew Wallace, L.E.W. Wallace, uh, a former Union Army general, he understands. He goes, well, I can't round up everybody involved in this Lincoln County War without starting it all over again because there's a lot of people that were very sympathetic to either side of that whole ordeal, you know? A lot of people were fans of Billy's, if you will. So he also knows if you go about and rounding up all these people, you know, you're going to sit there. You're going to arrest one more person from one side and that's going to piss off the other side. And you're going to start the war part two. And we don't need any more buildings on fire and people getting gunned down in the streets. There's been um, the bloodlust should have been filled. So what he does is he issues an amnesty agreement for everybody involved in the Lincoln County War. So imagine that you can sit there and get involved in a, a total you know, gunfight out in the street. And they say, hey, hey, things got crazy. Things were said. Okay. Things that couldn't be taken back. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to give everybody a clean slate. But no more Lincoln County warring. Okay. You understand me? Unless, I mean, we got to, if you were indicted for a crime though, then you're still, you know, we're going to arrest you for that. Which means Billy the Kid, aka William H. Bonnie, is yet again a fugitive from the law now because that indictment of his for this murder that he probably didn't commit. And don't get me wrong, he killed some motherfuckers during the Lincoln County War. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's pretty, it, it's convenient, I should say, that his charges are not squashed. So, um, he's a fugitive from the law again, and this is 1879. Billy will actually witness a brutal murder. Um, and I, don't, I do mean brutal. Uh, supposedly, he's being held at gunpoint and forced to watch this murder. The murder is of a prominent attorney guy by the name of Houston Chapman or Huston Chapman? Houston yeah. Chapman, I would call him. Huston. Huston Chapman. Yeah, it's H-U-S-T-O-N, so I would call that Huston. Yes, and if you don't know, Huston Chapman, lawyer and also closer for the New York Yankees. Yeah, you go. After Chapman is shot, though, in the street, his body is then set on fire. That's a little barbaric. Yeah. And, and they make Billy and his friend watch at gunpoint, and they can't do nothing about it. So... Billy's forced to watch, but later writes to Governor Wallace, the same guy who's declaring amnesty for everybody but you kind of a thing. Well, I think the, the big point was that they didn't read him his rights before they set him on fire. <laughs> uh, a little different law, law, law and order back in the day. Yeah, uh, it's pretty brutal. I like to figure out if um, it's one of those situations where like on a Boy Scout trip with you and I, that there'd be uh, um, there'd be some guy who they build up the fire and then the guys can't get it to light. You know, so you're just sitting there with the, you know, they got the body covered in gasoline or something like that. And it was like, does anybody have a match? No one has a match. Seriously. All right. Give me some flint. Um, flint and steel. We'll get it, we'll get it done. <laughs> but again, this is 1879 and Billy winds up writing to Governor Wallace and he goes, hey, I'm going to offer up information for you about this murder of this lawyer where his body was set on fire. This is absolutely barbaric, you know. You're trying to have a, a, a little end to the bloodshed here in Lincoln County. It's not a really great look when a prominent lawyer gets lit on fire after he gets shot. <laughs> yeah. How about I help you bring those guys to justice? And then you kind of hooked me up with the same deal he just gave everybody else who was a participant in this war. Right. Right. And he goes, I need a little protection from my enemies and I need this, you know, my, my charges to get dropped here. I can't live like this. So Governor Wallace actually agrees to uh, protect and give amnesty uh, from the territory and, the, you know, for the legal troubles of one Billy the Kid. But um, as soon as Billy's taken into custody, it soon becomes apparent to Billy that even after he's provided the testimony, which will lead to the legal, you know, uh, right system taking, you know, uh, handling that burnt body on Main Street kind of a thing. Um, so he's definitely involved in in the hunting down of those guys and bringing them to justice. But it's starting to become very clear that he ain't going to let him go. Yeah. The kid the already gave. Yeah. I gave my statement. Why am I not free? Well, since we got you here, kid. Yeah. The governor welched. 
Fearing that he has been tricked by law enforcement and betrayed by the governor, old Billy is forced to do what he does best, Ming. And I think you figured it out at this point. When that boy's in a jail cell, what's he pretty good at? Uh, escaping, I believe, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he goes full snake Pliskin, baby. And uh, our boy Billy, is uh, he escapes from custody yet again, folks. Yet again. For the rest of that summer and fall, Billy the Kid's able to keep a low profile. But like so many of us coming up here soon, it is our end of the year episode, Dad. Um, his New Year's resolution comes to an end real quick, all right? <laughs> yeah. If his, if his New Year's resolution was to not shoot anybody, he makes it about 11 days. <laughs> he winds up shooting a guy, shoots and kills a fellow by the name of Joe Grant in a saloon in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. The story goes, and this is a great story, and I don't know why. Maybe they did do it in Young Guns, and I just don't remember, or maybe they they wanted to do a bigger version of it or something, but this is so great. <laughs> the story... And again, print the legend. Always print the legend. You know, listen to Jimmy Stewart. Um, Billy found out that this guy, Joe Grant, who was new in town, was probably a hired assassin coming to kill Billy. Right. And uh, Billy walks up to him in a saloon. He goes, hey, I like that revolver you got there, man. Can I see that? Takes the gun looking. He goes, this is a good looking gun, man. And then he moves the revolver to an empty barrel. Right. In the revolver. So that when the guy goes to pull the trigger, the hammer's going to come down on an empty barrel in the revolver. Empty right? chamber. Yep. And, and he, he goes ahead and he, he you know, gives it back to him. He goes, that's a good looking gun, man. And when he hands the gun back to Joe Grant, Joe Grant turns the gun on him, right? And pulls the trigger. The hammer hits the empty chamber. Nothing. And Billy just goes, oh, well, Greedo shot first on this one. Boom. Here you go. Pow. <laughs> right in the chest. Now I'm justified. Oh, yeah. To return fire. So it's pretty great here. No round fires. The kid drops him dead to rights. And there's witnesses, baby. Uh, Billy is later quoted about the incident. Well, you see, that was a game of two, and I got there first. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> right. Around this time, the kid's going to start hanging with a fella that historians have given the title of Dirty Dave Rudabaugh to. Um, what a great name. Apparently, no one said that to him. They created this. He's not a popular guy because they created this myth after he died, almost Edgar Allan Poe-like, that... Um, they called him Dirty Dave Rudaba because of his aversion to water. He didn't like taking showers or nothing. You know who played him in uh, in Young Guns, Mink? Do you remember? You've seen Young Guns before, right? Yeah. Who played him? Christian Bale. That's right. So you have That's a poster right. of hanging up in the uh, the Eatontown studio. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dirty Dave Rudaba. And I think in the movie, he's always trying to say, he goes, no, Arkansas Dave Rudaba. <laughs> trying to give himself his own nickname. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Rudaba is, by the way... Lose reception time, folks. This is a rumor, and I can't prove it. But like we said, listen to Jimmy Stewart, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Uh, always print the legend. Rudaba is supposedly the man that taught a young Doc Holliday how to improve his shooting. Okay, because Doc Holliday was a pretty good shot. He was a violent guy, as you covered, you know, in a, a very good two-part episode on our Patreon here. But you guys already know that. If you're new, go check that one out. It's a good one. Um, but uh, apparently he traded uh, poker lessons, card playing lessons, I should say, for uh, shooting lessons. So Dirty Dave Rudaba and Doc Holliday hanging out. And ironically, Dirty Dave will join up with the Clanton gang. And that's the same Clanton gang that becomes the nemesis of the Earps. But for more on that loser section. Yeah, that's, a, that's another interception there. Yeah, Doc Holliday parts one and two. Go check that bad boy out. Um, and again, the 90s was a good time for Westerns. You had the was that was I think maybe Young Guns was the 80s. I don't remember. But you had Young Guns Part 1 and 2, and then you had Tombstone come out, and then you had Unforgiven coming out. Like, it was a good – the 90s right. were all right for right. Westerns. So, the kid now has a hefty, hefty price on his head from the governor that tricked him. Okay? This is a guy that he tried to cooperate with and got screwed by the law. So, hey, I've been breaking the law my whole life, and now, you know, I don't know what to do with it. But it's uh, – oh, it looks like uh, Ming brought it up. 1988 was Young Guns. That's crazy. So, within a five-year span, you got um, – uh, Unforgiven and uh, Young Guns. So, um, anyhow, uh, again, Billy's making the papers now, even all the way back in his controversial hometown of New York City. Him and Dirty Dave are captured by a controversial new sheriff by the name of Pat Garrett. What do you know about Pat Garrett? Yeah, Dave? Pat Garrett. Well, he was at uh, allegedly a one-time friend of Billy's, and now Pat Garrett has many of these early Western. Uh, Sheriffs, or they were—he was a bad guy himself at one time, but now he's turned and he's gone on on the other side of the law. But um, 
Because you could do that back then. You could do that back then, right? Ain't no background checks. You're pretty good with a gun, so uh, maybe we'll make you the sheriff instead of, uh, you know, robbing robbing people. Maybe we'll just make you the sheriff to prevent other people from robbing people. Yeah, what if you beat up the people that were beating up people? (laughs) Right. Yeah, but the governor puts a a, a bounty on uh, Billy's head. I think it was like 500 bucks, which was... Huge dollars back then. I would take 500 bucks right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. my car payment. Well, um, you know, Pat, Pat Garrett is the, uh, the Lincoln sheriff. Uh, he's arrested. And once again, Billy is put into jail. Um, well, it's a little story leading up to that, too, though. OK. Um, this one's good. I don't know if you knew this one. So Dirty Dave and the kid get arrested um, and as, uh, by Pat Garrett. And as Pat Garrett is attempting to bring the prisoners to justice... In, uh, on their way to Santa Fe, a riot nearly breaks out as an angry mob has formed, demanding that Sheriff Garrett turn over Dirty Dave to their local sheriff for the killing of a deputy. The killing of a deputy. Right. We want to take uh, care of our own. We want yeah. to take care of our local stuff. Oh, yeah. Local. So extraditing, I think, is the term. Uh, the- Bob Marley said he didn't <laughs> shoot. Bob Marley says he never shot the deputy, but apparently Dirty Dave um, yeah. Rudaba did go ahead and shoot this uh, deputy. And they said, this guy has to hang here. You know what I mean? We're still angry about this crime that he pulled off a few months earlier. Garrett frontier, refuses. Frontier justice. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll take care of our own dogs. I wonder what the, uh, the you know, what they, they always put out that thing of overturning convictions and stuff like that. Like, what's the accuracy of the legal system at this game? I wonder what the accuracy, what was the batting average for how wrong they got the wrong guy? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, you got the wrong guy. Yeah, he looked like him. <sighs> He was wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. Aren't, oh, I'm sorry. I got this. Is a, it says he lived at a Main Avenue. This is Main Road. I'm sorry. Very, <laughs> yeah. very sorry. But this riot's about to break out here, and it's not going to go good too, because um, the kid can't do anything to protect himself. Him and Dirty Dave are prisoners right now. So if Pat Garrett and his men are overcome by this mob, he doesn't have a chance in hell of doing anything with it. But you'd think he'd be nervous. But onlookers and writers are commenting. Billy looked. Eerily calm as everything was descending into chaos. And apparently his quote of saying, if only I had my Winchester, I'd have licked that whole crowd. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are lucky I ain't armed. You know, there's a mob forming to hang you, kid. And you're just sitting there like, yeah, you guys are lucky I'm in these chains. You don't know what I'd almost like a uh, Rorschach of uh, when from Watchmen when he gets put into jail. And uh, that when are you guys going to realize I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. Uh, the governor will continue to ignore the former promises to the kid and Billy finds himself to be the only one convicted of murder the only one in the entire Lincoln County War that shooting war my father just described there's there's only one guy that uh, we're really going to go after and that was uh, Billy the five day arson filled gunfight yeah uh, only one guy is going to get any charges from that whole thing and it's going to be Billy the fucking kid (laughs) so um Again, he's trying to work with the system and the system screws him. So why should he even trust it? But there's something interesting here. Um, the the person that he's uh, – they're actually hitting him with charges for the killing of Sheriff Brady, okay, which he did during the war. Per historical record, this next part is improvable, but we keep saying it here. Well, the kid is apparently sentenced to hang. Yeah, well, the Sheriff Brady, just to, just to rewind it a little bit, Correct. Sheriff Brady was the guy – that authorized his deputy to go um, arrest Tunstall. Correct. And it was his deputy that shot him. But Billy took that as a personal affront that, well, whoever ordered the posse to go out there to make the arrest, regardless of what happened or who shot him. There. Sheriff Brady, Marsha Brady, Peter Brown, I don't care who, <laughs> someone's got to pay. Brady Bunch are done. <laughs> that's right. So, um, and that killing is the one that's going to be the thing that actually gets uh, – Again, this is a good story. It's not provable, but the legend says there's one historical account that says that he said nothing after he was sentenced to death. He just didn't say anything at all. Um, Another account says that the judge said uh, he's sentenced to hang until he was dead, dead, dead. And the response uh, given by Billy the Kid to the judge was, well, you can go to hell, hell, hell. (laughs) (laughs) April 28th, 1881. Billy's a dead man now for sure. Pat Garrett is off collecting taxes. Yeah, well, he's arrested now. He's oh, Once he's again, he's in jail. He's oh, in custody. Yeah. He's awaiting his death. Right. He is to be executed. They're going to stretch the his neck. sentence come down. Oh, yeah. And uh, Pat Garrett's off collecting tax, uh, taxes, rather. 
while two of his deputies guard the kid and five other prisoners. When one deputy takes the other inmates across the street for dinner, the kid will attack his lone jailer with his cuffs while trying to use the restroom, right? Um, or the outhouse, I should say. Yeah. And uh, attacks him with his cuffs, grabs his pistol, and shoots him dead. Now, while he's freeing himself from his shackles, the kid will then grab a shotgun and uh, blasts the other deputy as that deputy comes from across the street going, was that a gunshot over there? What the hell did I just hear? Comes running in and the kid guns him down with a shotgun and then rides out of town on horseback. Observers claim to hear him singing on his way out of town. <laughs> Billy is wild. Yeah. He's wild. Um, <laughs> and he's making a name for himself more than just in the... Uh, just in the New Mexico territory. I mean, the oh, newspapers New York City are, papers are, are writing about him. Time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he's got national uh, national acclaim, if you will. It's a uh, it, it's a pretty wild thing here. But apparently, rides out of town on horseback singing, because the kid is going to live to fight another day, Dad, or at least another ninety days. All right. You can't have a life like that and always come out on top. At some point, you got to lose. Uh, his end is somewhat controversial, though. But also entirely believable, given the larger-than-life exploits he's pulled off. He's able to escape death, certain death, from burning buildings, territory wars, uh, death sentences, gunfights, all sorts of crazy shit here. And then, of course, this is just how it would happen, is that uh, Pat Garrett is sitting down talking to a fella in a dark room. And uh, all of a sudden, on July 14th, 1881, Billy's end will oddly come as he enters the darkened room believing it to contain a friend or possibly no one at all. They're not sure what he walked into the room for, but Billy the Kid just walks into a room and uh, sees uh, the shadowy figure in the corner and doesn't know who it is. Who's that? That you? What, what are you doing in here? And it's Pat Garrett. Pat Garrett goes, I know that voice. Takes his gun out and fucking blasts right into him. Hits him uh, he fires twice, hits him once. And Billy the Kid is no more. So of all things, this guy can pull off in, – in, you can't jail him. You can't keep him in jail. Uh, he escapes death on the regular, but he just walks into a dark room and goes, hey, who is that? It's almost like a who shot JR thing. I don't know what to do with this, but a pretty non-cinematic end for uh, the outlaw king of the West here. And uh, Pat Garrett is uh, – it's very interesting because the kid is going to be dead and buried within that night. And that leads to a little bit of controversy as well. The governor, Lou Wallace, you, you thought he just screwed over Billy? That $500 bounty that was good on the head of Billy the Kid? Yeah, he refuses to pay it to Pat Garrett when Pat Garrett comes to collect. And uh, there's a couple of different reasons. Uh, the specific one is not known, but the speculation uh, for lack of proof, even though there was a coroner's jury where six other people had to look over the body and they all testified this is Billy the Kid's body and we know who we're burying here. And they yeah. buried him very quickly. They buried him immediately. And part of the speculation was that the reason why they buried him so quickly is because there were other outlaws that were that were done away with. and But then they would cut up their bodies and, and put them on display to make a few bucks on the uh, on the uh, you know, tourist attraction, if you will, to come see the body of whoever that uh, this was the hand, this was the, the trigger finger or whatever, whatever it might be that uh, – um, and Garrett did not want that to happen. And there's there's been a lot of speculation about the, the death of Billy the Kid. Um, Garrett goes out to this ranch where it was suspected that Billy might be holding up. He wasn't there initially, but he now questions the ranch owner. And he's in, in this darkened room, darkened bedroom, if you will, of this uh, ranch house. And meanwhile, Billy comes wandering in. It's after midnight, and there was some speculation he was just. How many more Clapton songs are we going to reference in here? Um, Yeah, he comes in, and it just uh, one speculation is he's just looking for something to eat. And um, um, Pat Garrett has already been questioning the ranch owner in this darkened room kind of a thing, and then walks Billy and. Garrett recognizes it in the darkened room that it's Billy because he's speaking in Spanish, that apparently Billy the kid could speak Spanish. He could speak English. And his parents were um, Irish Gaelic speakers. So he also also spoke that, too. So he was um, Garrett recognized Billy by 
the tone of voice and, uh, you know, that he was recognized by him when, was, he, when he spoke, when he called out who's there. Oh, because the poor bastard was hungry. Yeah. And, and Garrett, Garrett just blasted him. And uh, one of the again, another one of the speculations is that, um, you know, for once, Garrett shot first because Billy was notorious for shooting first and, <laughs> you know, being the first to shoot. Usually it gets the drop on you kind of a thing. And then with the immediate burial of the body, uh, um, and it was in a, an army post where the body was buried, but um, flooding in, I think, 1905 or something that they lost track of where exactly the body was buried because uh, they they tried to do uh, DNA testing um from his mother's burial because they know where the mother was buried. So they were going to try to do some DNA testing, you know, all the, all the conspiracy theorists and everybody else are coming into play here is, you know, did, did Garrett actually shoot Billy the kid? Some say that he shot the wrong guy, that Billy the kid actually escaped once again. I've heard that one. And you can play this whole thing up too, that, you know, did they really kill Adolf Hitler? Did they really did, you know, uh, did Elvis Presley really die or is that, you know, is he frozen someplace or who the heck knows? I mean, anytime somebody famous like that or notorious like that dies, you can you can speculate all you want. And well, another theory, too, actually holds that Pat Garrett um, worked a deal out with the kid because we're going to fake your death and you're going to run off. Right, because again, and, there's still a five hundred dollar oh, yeah. bounty on it, so we'll fake your death and mm-hmm. we'll split the money or whatever. And, then, and Young Guns too plays with that right. pretty well. They they leave it ambiguous enough, but uh, <laughs> but as far as we know, Billy the Kid is dead on July fourteenth, eighteen eighty one. Like we said, the governor refuses to pay that five hundred dollars to uh, Pat Garrett. So the good people of Lincoln County, New Mexico, actually start raising funds for him. They wind up making this guy about seven thousand dollars. So. Yeah, the government screwed you over, but the good people made it right because they're appreciative. Because you know what? There were people that admired Billy, but there were also a lot of people like, listen, I can't have – how am I supposed to raise a family when there's you know, Lincoln County wars going on? And you know, what if he comes to town someday and I don't know what's going to happen to me? So a lot of people were uh, pretty impressed with uh, Pat Garrett for that one. Although he's got plenty of detractors as well. A lot of people are sitting there saying the only reason Garrett was able to get him is because he was hiding in the dark. Right. The kid would have dropped him right. if it was a fair fight. He, he assassinated him. He didn't, he didn't, uh, it wasn't a shootout or anything or it wasn't well, a fair fight. He was just, another, he was bushwhacked. Another outlaw king will also have um, a uh, an end that uh, doesn't make uh, his uh, assailant uh, heroic. And that would be, uh, I mean, what a, what a title of a movie that is. The Assassination of uh, Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. <laughs> You know? Yeah, right, right. So, not exactly, uh, you know, but I'll tell you what, Pat Garrett is getting into a little bit of uh, trouble here now because uh, he goes, you know what I can do? I can write a book that will be, I'll tell the whole story. And he sits down with a, a very talented writer friend of his and they put together the authentic life of Billy the Kid. And the book doesn't really sell well at first, but it does provide more context and content for the kid's life. And especially for a father-son duo, they're going to do a podcast on him later on. So. Here's, a, here's a catchy title, though. Pat Garrett writes this book, The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid, like you said. Uh-oh. Noted desperado of the Southwest whose deeds and daring and blood made his name a terror in New Mexico, Arizona, and northern Mexico. <laughs> That's a catchy title. <laughs> but again, going back to his uh, Billy the Kid's death, really – the vast majority of information that we have on that was written by Pat Garrett in that book. So, I mean, that's what a lot of the uh, just like Edgar Allan historians are now. Yeah, just to, you know, or all the other losers that we talked about. That we, what do we really know about uh, um, Calamity Jane, other than what Jane said herself? Kind of a thing, you know. That they're writing their own documentary. Wait a minute, how accurate is that going to be? Is Pat Garrett going to? <laughs> claiming in his in Pat Garrett's book that Pat Garrett bushwhacked Billy the Kid? I don't oh, think yeah. so. Well, you might have seen this next comic on Comedy Central, Dad, so no one ever <laughs> lies about their exploits. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you guys what, uh, we're going to wrap this bad boy up, but I think it's a pretty good one here. Um, I do have a final little paragraph I want to read on our way out. Did you have anything else you wanted to say before we uh, bailed that? No, I just, I mean, here's a guy that, like you said early on uh, at the beginning of the podcast, that he only lived to be 21, 
And for somebody who was only on this earth for 21 years and that now made, I think, over 50 movies. I don't know how many books have been written. And uh, it might be a new project coming down the road, too. I think there's something new in the works for him as well. So okay. keep, keep your I mean, you know, yeah. just it's just uh, he's he's got a very colorful life in the, in the few 21 years that he spent. There's no life. downtime. It's definitely worth <laughs> it. Right, two. Right. If you're going to see a movie, he's about working him, hard. Young Guns 1 and 2. That's the one to go see. Um, I will uh, I, I will say this, too. Um, it means a lot to us. It's our end of the year episode. Uh, the show is continuing to grow. I got to learn how to market, Ming. That's my one thing. I don't know how to do that shit. <laughs> but uh, anybody who joins the show. Uh, and by joining, I mean starts listening. I do. I thought this was a pretty cool stat. Um, anybody who listens to one episode typically listens to at least three to four. So it's not like someone's like, "Well, I just want to hear about this topic," and then I'm done. They're like, "Well, these guys did all right." So I, I have an idea for you. You might want to retitle the podcast uh, "American Loser: The uh, Authentic Life of KP Burke and LP Burke, <laughs> uh, the noted desperado of the the Northeast." There you go. Whose deeds of uh, podcasting and blood made his name a terror <laughs> in New Jersey and home down New Jersey. Yeah, I, right. I, maybe that might work. That might work too. The other move I had was I was going to just rename the show "The Joe Rogan Experience" and see if we pick up some listens. Yeah. Billy Joel uh, was east and west of the Rio Grande, but the Rio Grande runs east and west. We could be east and west with the Hudson River or something. I don't know. Ooh, we could do that for sure. Daring life of crime made a legend in his own time or something. <laughs> I don't know. You don't question Billy Joel either. If you wrote no, a song, no, no, no. Yeah, if you write a song good enough to get Christy Brinkley to drop her panties, you just, <laughs> all right, you look like that. Billy Joel's a hero to me, all right? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Billy's, Billy's the king, but... Uh, the the Joel man, but uh, yeah, what, you know the the song does not have a whole lot of historical accuracy, but it's still a hell of a song. It's a good one. The uh, I'll say this uh, too on our way out, folks. Means a lot to us that you're here. Thank you so much. If you're not able to stick around, you got some financial stuff coming up. Whatever you just want to check out the Patreon, see what's up. I understand. Check back in when you get a good topic that you want to work on with something. Um, if you uh, had to stop just because you couldn't, I'm sorry we lost you. But you're not hearing this because you're gone. <laughs> All right? <laughs> you're out of my life. And uh, if you came back, thank you so much. I love you. If you've been here since the beginning. That means the most. All right? Let's be clear. There's a lot of people here. I got to figure out how do I can read the names of all my patrons on the Patreon app. I think I need my computer in front of me to be able to do it from what I was reading about. But we will thank everybody here on the next Patreon episode. Do some shout outs to the people that have been there with us. Shout outs to the people who just came on board. Like we said, it's very, very fun here. I got some stand-up dates coming up. I got to plug them done for the year right now. This will be your, our end of the year episode. So this is coming out. Um, Ming, is it okay to put this out like tonight or tomorrow? Absolutely, yes. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate Kahuna told me it's a seven to ten day waiting period. I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, so you get a gun and the less time than it takes to release this podcast? I don't think so. I will, uh, we'll speed that up for you. Got to have a background check to release a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Feel like checking out Kahuna's Christmas album. It's called In the Key of Christmas by one Christian Cordes. We're on Patreon, so we can go ahead and say that. Um, check that out. It's very cool. I'm excited for the boy on that one. He's got a couple of the cool things coming up that he's going to be working on. Uh, my album that he directed is coming out uh, via 800-pound gorilla. Um, I'm waiting on the release date for that one. There will be a video portion that is filmed entirely and edited entirely by Christian Atrell Cordez and uh, mixed up by actually our boy Chris Mad. So it's an all I, – I poached all your people, Ming. <laughs> As you should. I, I only hired the best. The That's best for true. the best, my friend. So. Uh, I, I feel that way too, man. It was uh, – but it was a good one on that, and I'm excited for that project to come out here. And then in January, January 6th, 7th, and 8th, I'll be in Austin, Texas, the Creek in the Cave with the great Mike Cannon, one of my, uh, honest to God, just an instant buddy. We just clicked immediately. He's so fucking funny. Come check us out over there in Austin, Texas. Uh, then the following weekend, January 13th, 14th, 15th, I believe, I'll be at Mohegan Sun with uh, the legend himself, Bobby Kelly. All right. Another guy that just absolutely I'll go up there thinking I had the best set of my life. And then that guy will just get a sound out of the room that I didn't I've never even experienced before. <laughs> He's just too funny. Um, so that'll be a great one on that. I'll try not to gamble my money away. And then February, President's Day weekend, I'll be down in Tampa, Florida with uh, Lynn Coplitz, another person who uh, just absolute. I'm so lucky. Everybody brings me on the road as absolute killers. And you know why they're absolute? Because they don't mind me going up and doing well in front of them. And then they say, all right, let's squash this fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, there is a couple other conspiracy, not conspiracy theories, but let's just go with myths or legends, some folklore here, all right? It doesn't always have to be conspiracy theory. But in just 21 years on this earth, and still a debate of conversations today, rumors abound that the kids survived a shooting. 
Some say Pat and the kid arranged the whole damn thing. And others point to Billy's anonymous grave being marked. Uh, I'm sorry, not his grave, but uh, where other people from uh, the, the regulators were buried. Um, someone snuck in one night and wrote the word pals on the grave and no one knows who did it. And they credit that as proof that the kid survived and honored his regulator brothers one last time. But that's the ballad of Billy the Kid. American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.